we have a an offering called an exit ready audit uh, that we do with clients to sort of look under the hood, analyze um, analyze their data, their business um, to help chart their course. Because as as one of our clients said, you know, he can drive from he can drive from San Diego to New York, but what's the best way? And what's the quickest way? You know, is he just going to set off without a map, or does he get a map to chart the the best journey? And so we can help provide the map. So I started my third startup, uh, the Fortia Group, which is um, an investment bank focused on e-commerce. And, and my big ambition is for it to become the Morgan Stanley for e-commerce. Um, so I know how bulge bracket leading uh, uh, Wall Street firms work. And I'm trying to bring that level of service, that standard, really high standard to small, medium-sized e-commerce folks uh, all around the world. And our message is, are you interested in exploring a strategic discussion towards an exit, You know, even if the exit's two to three years from now? And most people on a two to three year view are thinking of building towards an exit. So we're not saying, you know, do you want to sell today? So on today's episode, we speak e-commerce M&A. Who is buying, who's currently buying e-commerce businesses and what kind of multiples they're currently sort of valuing businesses. If you care about M&A or you want to sell your business, you've got to listen to this episode. So stay tuned. This is the 2X e-commerce podcast hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hey everybody, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your humble host, Kunle Campbell. Today is a very special one, really, really special. Do you know why? Because on the 25th of November, 2014, which is exactly nine years ago, I took the courage to push three episodes, three episodes to air, to iTunes, to, to, to I think I was using Libsyn as my podcast host at the time. I pushed out three episodes on the 25th, which is exactly nine years ago. You'll be listening to this episode on Tuesday, the 28th of November. So we're nine years old. So please give us a round of applause. Now, after that, I think I, I pushed out another two episodes on the 25th of, or 26th of November. I pushed out one more episode on, on 20, 26th of November. I remember how nervous I was. You could go back. It's still on the feed wherever you listen to this podcast. And um, I, I remember interviewing Gary from the Diamond Store. And um, I'd been an affiliate of his for a store for for a bit of time, and I was a I was, I was a fairly good affiliate. I was a top affiliate for for a store. But um, what I'm just trying to say essentially is, um, I'm I'm super proud that you guys have tuned in whenever you started listening to this podcast. And um, I'd I'd love to connect. You know, write me an email, Kunle at two xecommercecom Um, send me a tweet on Twitter. I'm Kunle C on, on Twitter. Those are like the two best ways to reach out to me. I really, really want to build community. We have not yet put together a, a, an in-person event for, for this, for, for this podcast, which, which to me is, is a shortcoming for sure. So I would want to 
to do it. And it's it's all due to the fact that I think my community is so dispersed around, not think, the data tells me the, the community is so dispersed around the world. Like majority of you tune in from the United States and you know a, num- a good number of you tune in from the UK. Still, it's it's quite dispersed. So, so we sh- we must do a get together in 2024. It's it's been nine years we, we put this show together. Anyway, this today's episode is is a really really interesting one. I so on the first of November, the start of this month, I put out a a post on my LinkedIn, and it was like, "Who's actively acquiring e-commerce businesses right now?" The e-commerce aggregators, holding companies, SPAC or family offices. Also, what multiples are commonly seen from businesses that are primarily digital channel focused? I'd love to hear your insights. And the comments that really, really came top of mind to me was from Emmet Kidoff, who is the co-founder and CEO of Fortier Group. And right there on LinkedIn, we decided to record an episode. And that's the one you're about to listen to. This interview I had with him very, very recently. And he is essentially an investment banker. He he's from Morgan Stanley and um, Credit Suisse. He, he has 12 years invest, investment banking. And right now, he is, he, he is he's, he's running an investment bank specifically for e-commerce businesses, middle market, and the range of... 5 million in, in, in enterprise value to $200 million in enterprise value. He's facilitating deals on the buy side, sell side, advising um, you know, e-commerce businesses on how to prepare themselves for sale, um, helping out with debt, with raising debt or equity. And they put a lot of thought leadership you know, pieces out there, whether it's a YouTube channel or the reports that they publish every quarter. So this episode was a really interesting one, really good one. He sounds like a banker. He talks like a banker. He smells like a banker. He is a banker. So, you know, if if finance is your thing, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of e-commerce M&A, he really breaks. I like, I really, I like the way he, he, he broke all of the aspects down in, in this episode. I, I took some notes. Let me, let me get my notepad because, um, he, I, I took some notes over the conversation and we, we talked about um, sectors, pets, baby beauty. I don't want to give you everything. He talked about the three strategic, the three, the three buyers right now in the market, three active buyers, which, which are PE firms, obviously aggregators and strategics. And he then breaks down, you know, what each of them the types of you know strategics, the types of PE firms, the types of aggregators that are actually acquiring businesses. And we speak about multiples. When we acquired our business, our first business, even the second one, we looked at trading 24 months. And um, he, this, this, um, in this episode, actually schooled me saying that um, the norm at the moment is the TTM, which is the trailing 12 months. Um, to 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 towards getting um, what's called an, an SDE, um, so it's 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 it was it was I I enjoyed it. I was much smarter after this conversation. So if e-commerce M and A is is your thing, even if it's not your thing, if you're thinking about eventually selling this e-commerce business you're operating now, you've got to listen to this episode for sure. So I will not babble 
anymore. I think I've been doing that for the last six minutes or so, but um, you're going to hear from our sponsors, Tread, and right after that, bingo, you listen to, to, to the interview I had with Emmett. So enjoy, and I shall catch you on the other side. Cheers. Hey, 2Xers, I want to take a moment to talk about a service that has made a significant impact on product launches for our e-commerce brands. It's called Tread. Tread first hit the market in early 2020 and has since become the go-to financing option for over 500 brands, including big names like Rosum. In just one sentence, Tread can be described as the ultimate solution for purchasing inventory, allowing retailers to sell first and pay suppliers later. As an e-commerce brand owner myself, I can't emphasize enough how helpful Tread has been for our business. Their unsecured funding and credit model, which takes into account the current financial health of a business, has allowed us to access financing without worrying about collateral. We've improved our cash flow by avoiding upfront supplier payments and freeing up funds. This has enabled us to invest in larger orders, expand our product range, and even negotiate supplier discounts. And let me tell you, the flexibility is amazing. Tread offers a pay-as-you-go model with a flat and transparent fee, which means you only use it when you need to. No hidden cost or long-term commitments, just a simple and effective way to manage our inventory financing. The best part? Tread works independently of e-commerce platforms and requires minimal onboarding. It doesn't matter if you're a founder, CEO, CFO, or part of the finance team. Tread can be a game changer for your business. With taglines like sell first, pay suppliers later, and snooze your supplier invoices with Tread, it's clear that Tread is all about empowering businesses like ours to import the goods we need now while handling the invoice and allowing us to pay up to 120 days later. So if you're in the e-commerce space and looking for a smart, flexible financing solution, I highly recommend giving Tread a try. Visit their website on treyd.io. That's treyd.io to learn more and get started today. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, we're we're no no strangers. We've we've um, conversed a lot. Um, I think the last time we spoke, I was pitching to you um, on behalf of Octelian. So I don't need any introdu- introductions to you, but the audience will love to, to 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 get a bit of your background. So please go for it. Thank you very much. Um, I guess it all started with uh, a master's in e-commerce that I did back in nineteen ninety nine. Was the first of its kind, nearly globally at the time. As, as some of the listeners may remember, it was the time of the dot com boom, um, maybe more dot com than e com. Um, but I uh, was fascinated with all the uh, dot com IPOs that were happening at the time, so I wanted to join the world of investment banking. Uh, so I moved from where I lived in Dublin, Ireland, to to uh, London, England, and uh, joined uh, an investment bank called Credit Suisse, and. Um, Spent many years in investment banking doing corporate finance deals, M&A, uh, finishing up with Morgan Stanley, the American bank, which is you know up there at the top three in the world with JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. 
So that's where I learned the whole art of M&A, which we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to. Um, I was uh, always wanted to be an entrepreneur, though, as opposed to be a number in a very large firm. So I left Morgan Stanley in 2012 to start a data company called Eagle Alpha, which provides data to hedge funds. And interestingly, a New Jersey hedge fund invested in that business, and the guy that led the investment happened to be best friends with a man called Carlos Cashman, who many of your audience will probably know. Carlos founded the e-commerce aggregator industry mm. uh, by starting Thras- Thrasio many years ago. And I got to speak to Carlos four or five years ago, and he ins- sort of inspired me with, he- with what he was doing. Um. And it led me to want to do something in the space. So I started my third startup, uh, the Fortia Group, which is um, an investment bank focused on e-commerce. And, and my big ambition is for it to become the Morgan Stanley for e-commerce. Um, so I know how bulge bracket leading uh, uh, Wall Street firms work. And I'm trying to bring that level of service, that standard, really high standard to small, medium-sized e-commerce folks uh, all around the world. I love that. I love, love the... Yeah, love the vision. Love the vision. Um, being the Morgan Stanley of e-commerce, um, particularly in the middle, in the lower middle market and, and middle market segment, very, very interesting. So at Fortia Group, you you do buy side, sell side M and A. I, I would think, think debt, capital advisory, and, and equity, capital advisories. How, how does it work there? Yeah, like the three main products, if you will, of an investment bank are equity, credit, M and A. Um, unfortunately, the equity markets are pretty much closed right now for e-commerce. Let's be honest; it's incredibly tough. Um, uh, the debt markets are tough, but they're not closed, and M and A is still happening. It's clearly not as high as two two years ago, uh, which was the height. Um, and you know, global M and A is at a seven year low, or certainly hit a seven year low in the second half of last year, and it's been sort of treading water since then, and, and will rebound again next year. It always does. I've seen many cycles of M and A. So we 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 do we 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 generally do equity credit M and A, but right now most of our deal flow is M and A, both as you say on the sell side and the buy side. So we can help an e-commerce entrepreneur prepare their business for a sale, even if it's one to two years out. Mm-hmm. Really frustrates me with e- when entrepreneurs come and say to us, "Can we sell? Start selling next month?" That means you put no planning into your exit, and you know. S&P 500 companies start to think about exits one to two years out. Why, why shouldn't everyone else? Hmm. Um, and maybe we can come back to that. Um, uh, so we really like helping entrepreneurs ultimately get the best valuation for their business. Hmm. And we're also involved on the buy side by helping, for example, a private equity firm find businesses that they want to acquire. Um, and more recently, we're actually advising on a merger of two aggregators who are coming together okay. uh, because they need to scale and, and find synergies. Okay. Okay. Really, really interesting. Really interesting. Now, just going back to why we had this conversation, I put out a a, a question on, on on my LinkedIn, and you're very kind to to, to, to comment. The, the the genesis of this is like who's who's buying, who's involved in M and A, and you you came up with three suggestions. So you want to expand on 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 that? Who? Who who is buying e-commerce businesses right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll preface the answer by saying that the Fortier Group works with companies that are doing at least five million in revenue up to two hundred million. Um, so, by definition, uh, we're not selling uh, smaller brands to individuals. 
mm-hmm. uh, our, our buyer universe, our institutional or professional investors, as opposed to individual people. Um, within that, there's three main buckets. There's um, strategics, private equity, and more recently, aggregators. So before aggregators came along, there were two main buckets, strategics and private equity. Strategics is another word for corporates. Mm-hmm. They can be as big as Procter & Gamble or as small as a competitor of a brand. Um, then there's private equity firms um, who have a lot of dry powder at the moment, given interest rates have been so low. There's two types of deals that private equity firms do. Uh, one is called platform and two is called bolt-ons. Platform deal means it's the first time a private equity firm does a deal in, say, the pet category. And so they'd look to go in relatively big, buy something established and, and good size, on the back of which they can do bolt-ons, which can be as small as a couple of million revenue, um, you know, depending on the relative size of their first you know, foray, their first platform deal. And then there's aggregators. Uh, and remember, it's important for the audience. Like Up until four years ago, there were no aggregators. It's a relatively new concept. Um, aggregators, there's two buckets there. There's FBA-led aggregators and there's DTC-led aggregators. On the FBA side, you know, Trasio being the most common. Um, there's about 100 in our database and there's about 30, 30 in the DTC um, world uh, open store out of Miami or Pattern out of New York um, would be two examples. Um, so they're, they're the three buckets. That's how we see the landscape, uh, strategic, private equity and aggregators. Okay. We're going to come back to, to, to each of them. I know you've, you've expanded in them, but let's go back to 2020. There was a pandemic e-commerce was in, at an all-time high as in people would, the only place people could buy was, was, was online, was, was via digital really. And so yeah. most every e-commerce retailer was having like record sales. And then when, you know, the economy started to open back up and, you know, shopping behavior started to return as well as inflation with, with shrinking wallet sizes, we started to see a decline in, in e-commerce sales. This, th- these are like macro effects. Now, if I want to come in to buy a business based on a bit data, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing skewed data, data, especially from a point of view of sometimes the 2021 numbers and 2022 numbers are all-time lows for, for some of these businesses or five-year lows as compared to the, the 2020, which yeah. is like an all-time high. How do you value a, a business with with these pick with these events you know the, these unusual events that, that happen once in a lifetime time events that that are skewing the data how's how evaluation starting to, to to take place now as in comparison to to to, to 2020 2021 i mean yeah it's like it's, it's it's really interesting i think all the way through uh the metric that brands were being valued off was last 12 months. For FBA-led brands, it's, it's, it's last 12 months of seller discretionary earnings, which is likely but dire net profit. For DTC-led brands, Shopify-led brands, it's more, more, more commonly used EBITDA. Um, and um, so it was typically LTM. So um, uh, clearly then, as an entrepreneur, as an e-com operator, um, if you've had a bad period, you're waiting for X months so that you can sort of wash out the the, the 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 month 10 11 12 so they start to be good performance so i think that's one of the drivers of 
the low volume of M&A deals this year. It's not just, you know, buyers being careful because of inflation and interest rates and the two wars, unfortunately, that are upon us. It's uh, a lot of the sellers are um, waiting for their better comps, their like-for-like comps to be to be relatively better and clean and on the growth trajectory again. Um, uh, and so that, that's why there's been, you know, less, less volume. Um, obviously, people are hoping that valuations will increase as well. They'll never get back to December 2021 levels, um, uh, specifically for FBA because there was so much money chasing uh, um, um, all, all, all the brands. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, it's 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 brands are not really valued on you know looking back historically two years is generally twelve months last twelve months. Okay. Um, um and so that's the period people are, are looking at and that hasn't really changed either over over all that period okay 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 and brands are that otherwise still selling why are they selling uh, is do they t- with the brands you've cl- with, with, with the deals you've closed in the last say six or, or 12 months have these brands had decent trading 12 months or have they had Bad twelve trading twelve months, but don't really mind. Just want to sell. What's what's the temperature there? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like it, the majority of prospects we speak to um, do not have growing revenue. Um, as a firm, we only work with clients that have growing revenue, hmm. even in a tough environment. We're we're not set up to sell distressed brands. Um, frankly, because there are very few buyers of distressed e-commerce brands, it's really tough for us to make a market, or it's, it's tough for us to be an intermediary between the buyers and sellers. Um, for growing brands, it's 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 that's where we want to be. There's there's a there's business to be done by being an intermediary. So, um, so for brands, yeah, we have to see growing revenue, and that's tough. It means we've got a much harder job uh, prospecting to find the gems or the diamonds, as we call them. Um, but um, like a lot of buyers are not buying those that are, they want diamonds uh, and they'll be happy to sort of sit on their hands and wait for diamonds mm. as opposed to you know, anything else. Now, uh, there are, of course, some buyers of distressed brands. We're actually a shareholder of the leading aggregator of that buys distressed DTC brands, the hedgehog company. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few people doing more distressed acquisitions in FBA, but there's not many. It, you know, it, it, it's a tough environment. Okay, and with the diamond in the rough, are, are you seeing? Have you seen any? Do, do you have any examples? You don't need to mention, you know, um, the brand, but 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 what sector and, and why do you think they're doing well? Yeah, I think um, for about the last year, we've been saying that the three categories where acquirers have the most interest today are pet, baby, beauty, and um. It's because as we sort of go into or have entered into a recession, even if it's hard or soft, consumers tend to keep spending money on their pets, um, keep spending uh, money on their babies. And now that we're all allowed out again post-COVID, they spend money on beauty. Um, And those categories have done quite well uh, over the last two years, one year, and continuing to do quite well based on data we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're like, frankly, we're hunting for prospects in those categories. That's where we're spending our, the most of our energy because that's where we know there's decent growth and we're analyzing 
big data to analyze where growth is because mm. we have to be hunting where the you know the growth is and that's where our buyer clients are are are, are asking us the most time most as well for those types of categories um so it's on the flip side of that you know home and garden and other categories have had it maybe tougher in the more recent past so given the fact that you are hunting you're hunting and looking for operators how are you how receptive are these operators in you know to, in in this diamond in a rough companies to 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 want to entertaining the idea of um, wanting to sell their businesses one thing one thing using big data to find like traffic spikes and activity and it's another that there's a human element or human yeah. side of, of things yeah so like it's interesting so we're in terms of our marketing our main form of marketing is outbound email campaigns um and we do a couple hundred emails a day and our, and our message is are you interested in exploring a strategic discussion towards an exit you know even if the exit's two to three years from now and most people on a two to three year view are thinking of building towards an exit so we're not saying you know do you want to sell today mm-hmm. um, and on that time frame uh, there's a lot of things that one can do to become what we call exit ready to build towards ticking all the boxes getting rid of red flags making sure the investment committee at the acquirers really like what you've got and um, um, you know uh, availing of the low-hanging fruits and making some strategic discussions decisions to increase your value so when we talk like that most people like to have a conversation um, because it's strategic and thinking long-term strategic and thinking um, then of course it depends on the individual to your point like some people are tired you know it's been a tough two years some people just want an exit now some people have already started a new brand and their energy and love is moving towards that and so they want to you know they, they view their older brand as maybe non-core and they want to monetize it um uh and there's lots of other personal reasons um uh you know it could be health reasons we've seen that we've seen that a, a few times so some some people are encouraged to sell for different macro sectoral personal financial reasons there's a whole there's a whole we've actually written a blog about that earlier this year there's lots of different types of reasons that can drive one to do a sale mm, mm, mm. and if you don't keep those conversations up you you never know so 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 that's um that's a plus okay so just going back to your point on the three major categories um of, of, of where activity is going on you know, based on your 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 your, your deal size framework, which is five to, to five million to two hundred million, you talked about strategics, PE firms, um, platform and bolt-ons, and then aggregators, the FBA and, and D to C. I was quite surprised not to see family offices in 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 this list. Do do, do you know why? Do you want to expand on, on that? I mean, at the starting point is family offices are incredibly secretive. Uh, it's very hard to know who they are and what they invest in. Um, strategics, private equity firms, aggregators make it very clear, very public. So um, anyone that says they know what a thousand family offices invest in globally um, uh, is not, you know, not is telling lies. <laughs> um, so that's the starting point. The second point is that family offices are more likely to do equity investments or even even lending uh, than acquiring a business. By and large, they're not looking to actually do the operations and run a business like a private equity firm would do, uh, or at least oversee like a private equity firm would do. 
there are clearly some exceptions. If someone has built a great pet brand, sold it for $100 million, yes, he or she might set up a family office and want to invest and acquire other pet brands. But by and large, um, and I've seen this over 20 years, you know, family offices are not necessarily the, 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 the most um, active acquirers. Okay, makes sense, makes sense. Okay, let's jump into strategics and multiples. You, you talked about training 12 months in, in SDE. Does, does that rule apply to strategics in, in the space we're talking about, you know, middle market e-commerce businesses? Yeah, look, I think I think strategics. I think for one, I think most people will know that they can pay a higher multiple than private equity or aggregators. Um, historically, they have done um, that. Multiple for FBA brands would be SDE led. Uh, for DTC brands, would be EBITDA led. Um, FBA is lower valuations than DTC uh, because in the latter you, you own the customer. Um, um, Strategics, uh, the reason why they can pay more is because there's likely to be more um, revenue and cost synergies. And they can also play the longer term game. And so um, the problem is that for a lot of folks listening to the, to your podcast, they'll be just too small for strategics. Hmm. Uh, strategics, let me, let me define strategics. Like again, going back to what I said, like big strategics are the Procter and Gambles of the world, right? They're, they're, they're huge. Now, uh, clearly, there's different levels. There's large, medium, small strategics. A small strategic could be the biggest competitor of uh, of, a, of a brand uh, who might just have a bigger balance sheet and be interested interested in acquiring one of its smaller competitors. So it doesn't always have to be that the the listed company on the New York Stock Exchange called you know Procter and Gamble, etc. And mm-hmm. um, they. Um, they 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 generally yeah pay pay higher multiples um but they're harder they take longer to do deals um they can be harder to find um you know, one needs to one needs to plan uh, uh significantly ahead of time whereas an aggregator can do a deal very quickly mm-hmm. um so uh yeah, yeah fail to plan pre- you know, prepare prepare to fail mm-hmm. okay and in in regards to 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 to, to aggregators, you, you you mentioned you know higher higher multiples for for DTC versus FBA. What are the multiples? What, what kind of multiples should, um, should 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 sellers be looking at now? Um, I'm not necessarily talking about fire sellers, but sellers who've who've prepared the last twelve months and, and are saying, you know what, um, now's the yeah. time to start to have conversations with with M and A firms to to sell. Um. Yeah, great question, and it's that's probably the most common question I'm asked: is, is what are valuations, what are volumes, and uh, rather than giving Emmett's view on any given day, what we decided to do was productize our house view, if you will. So every quarter now we publish a fifty-page report with our our view on valuations, and we host an online webinar where we get guest speakers in from private equity firms, etc., to 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 bring that to life. Um, our Q3 report was published uh, last month, and in that, uh, for FBA brands, Kunle, we said that the valuation range for for brands that are doing well now these are not for distressed brands was um, uh, between uh, two and a half, sorry, two two and a half to four and a half for a typical. That's the typical valuation range. Now, there can be exceptions on the downside for distressed, on the upside for diamonds. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's two and a half to four and a half times SDE. Uh, on the DTC side, um, for profitable, good brands, it's typically between four to 12x to take. Again, um, uh, if you're at the lower end of that range, you're probably in not as sexy a category right now. You've got lower growth, lower net margins. You maybe don't have any recurring revenue. To get to get to 12x or even have a chance of beating it, you know, if you're a pet brand and you're 100% recurring revenue, subscription revenue, your revenue is growing, you've got 20% net margins, boom, you're going to be in the teens. And there's everything in between. But but uh, yeah, the, the back of you know the, the the summary is two and a half to four and a half for FBA and four to twelve for DTC. Well, that's clear enough. That's really clear. And obviously, towards the higher end of the scale, the four point five x SDE for, for for the FBA or the twelve, the ten to twelve x SDE, which is trailing trailing twelve months, I assume. You you need to have you yeah. need to be a retention brand. You need to be a brand. Have some brand equity. And you know, have a, a recurring base or regular, almost like a SaaS setup in in that way. The closer you are to a SaaS from a recurring revenue standpoint, um, the the better for 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 you for your brand. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, you know exactly. And and DTC can have recurring revenue. Um, FBA can't. It can have uh, repeat purchases. But that's 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 you know that the stronger the repeat purchases, the better. And Yes, like the starting, the first question is, is it a brand with a capital B? Uh, you know, acquirers do not want products or, you know, commodities that ultimately will compete with low-cost Chinese folks. That's that's not that's not of interest. Yeah, and, and in a D2C space, it'd be very obvious the size of your list, how engaged your list is. You really need to get into yeah. you know, the, the retention and engagement data from email and, you know, first and zero-party data. To, 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 you need to tear yeah. that apart, really. Okay, so yeah. sellers with a 12 to 36-month horizon um, for selling, what key things should they know today? Yeah, great question. And uh, we really like working with folks that far out because we can add a lot of value based on our decades of experience. And you know, I've worked on over $20 billion of deals in the last 20 years. Um, the way we think about it is there are strategic financial and operational improvements that one can make. Um, so from a strategic perspective, um, I'll throw an example, some examples out there. Should you acquire a brand to increase your scale quick, quicker? Um, uh, should you go, should you go offline? Should you add DTC if you're only FBA? You know, there's some big strategic questions. Um, from a valuation perspective, if you're FBA only, you, you absolutely should think about TTC if you think you can you can you can win there because it's going to increase your valuation given the multiples are higher as we discussed. So there's a lot of strategic discussions that one can think about, and then if you look at financial, um, obviously net margins is critical, especially in this type of environment. What can you do to increase your net margins? Um, that might be have a tender process for your suppliers if there's cost there it might be uh, improving your marketing efficiency it might be moving more folks offshore you know etc etc and then it's um operational um are there any red flags in the business again the day the day what i'd like entrepreneurs to think about is if you went in front of 
the investment committees of 20 acquirers today, how would they score you? That's mm-hmm. the sort of the way we think, right? How would all these, these, these smart folks who buy businesses every day, how would they score you across a lot of these metrics? You want to know the answer to that score today. And if it's, if it's 43 out of 100, you want to go, right, Emma, tell me, what can I do in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months to get that score up 10 points each year from 43 to 53, 53 to 63, and so on. So that ultimately, when you do press the green light in your exit, you can maximize your, your, your check. And so that, that's what we do. And we have, we have a, we have a, we have a, an offering called an exit ready audit, uh, that we do with clients to sort of look under the hood, analyze, um, analyze their data, their business, um, to help chart their course. Cause as, as one of our clients said, you know, he can drive from, he can drive from San Diego to New York, but what's the best way and what's the quickest way? You know, is he just going to set off without a map or does he get a map to chart the, the best journey? And so we can help provide the map. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, so, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, I really like your piece on, on the strategic. And uh, you, you, you mentioned two, two, two key points. M&A, could you just acquire a smaller brand in, in your space? And how will that look yeah. like over the next, um, you know, um, few financial years? And then if you're a single channel business, obviously you're adding more value. If you go multi-channel, obviously it's going to require a new set of expertise, which will affect mm-hmm. net profit, but there should be a payback period eventually. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and who knows what the markets would would look like? Will reward you, you know, um, years ahead if you're planning, you know, um, you know, um, financial years ahead. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, are there any other ways entrepreneurs can can increase valuation? Um, any you, you mentioned cost cutting? Um, well, not really. You mentioned increasing net net you know net profit what, what are you seeing as the most effective ways to increase net profit consistently because um you could delay payments and and that will catch up with you eventually right um particularly if you're looking over a 24 you know month period so so what effective ways are you seeing um or what ways are you seeing the most effective businesses really maximize this, this net profit in this, you know, yeah. economy. Yeah. Well, what I what I, what I and acquirers want to see, I think it's fair to say, is the ability to increase prices, um, especially in a tough market. If you, if you can increase prices in a tough market, you're showing that you've got a really strong brand, mm. um, and you have loyal customers. That's really powerful. Um, instead of like the opposite, like decreasing prices and offering discounts all the time, that's, that's, you know, that's, that, that shows you don't have a, a tremendous brand equity. Uh, so I get really excited when I see folks increasing prices and, uh, you know, could customers continue to buy. Okay. So, 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 so what I'm saying is like, um, transactional. So what I'm seeing is, or what I've seen in, in some instances is transactional volume is down. Right, so if you look at the mm-hmm. trailing twelve months, right, you you you'd see in yeah. most mo, in, in in most e-commerce stores the transactional value volume is down. Not not, not one of us, but but transactional volumes. But they've increased prices 
which looks like they've grown mm-hmm. year on year, but their 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 fulfillment centers are processing fewer orders. But because of the increase in price due to inflation and you know other costs coming up, it it appears on the PNL that the business is growing. So would an acquirer look at transactional yeah. volume or do they just look at the money, at the revenue? Or they'd look at all, all of the above. You know, they'll be looking at, you know, gross margin, net margin, uh, you know, cash flow, bank statements, everything. Um, so they'll get to the bottom of the drivers of, 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 um, of growth. Um, and look, ideally it's price increases and, and volume, transaction volume increases, um, and uh, if there's discrepancies, they're going to find it for sure. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, Ahmed, Um, just to be very cognizant of, of your time, just be respectful of your time. Is there is there any question I haven't asked you? Uh, because I will hate not to ask you certain questions. Hmm. I mean, I think we've covered valuations and volumes, which is, which is you know typically key. I think. Um, there's a lot of tips that we have. We, we've, we've produced uh, two 90-page guides, Kunle, uh, over mm-hmm. the years, uh, exit guides, one for FBA, one for GTC folks. They're available um, for $99 on our website. They're, they're packed with information from us and from acquirers. Uh, so for folks that wanted to grab a strong coffee and digest a lot of advice, that, that could be helpful. Um, that, that, that'll include things that we haven't covered today. Um, but I, my biggest piece of advice to, to entrepreneurs is you know, plan 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 your exit as far out as as possible. Uh, it it really saddens me that the the folks start to think about an exit like next month or even in three months time. That means you're not prepared. Um, you haven't got rid of all the potential red mm-hmm. flags. You haven't maximized your value. Um, and so that's my biggest piece of advice. Think mm-hmm. think one to two years out, ideally. All right. Thank you so much. You guys have heard it from 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 the horse's mouth, you know himself. Maximize, start now, plan ahead, and um, you know, best of luck with your exits. Emmet, thank you so much for coming on to the Two X Commerce podcast. For people who want to find out more about the Fortier Group, it's thefortiergroup.com. I will link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening to this. And Emmet, what social media platforms are you active on? If the audience wants to continue this conversation and follow you. Sure, we're on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Okay, we'll link through to as, to, as, to all as, platforms. as the corporate. Yeah, yeah, yes, and yeah. Um, yeah, many, many thanks. Thank you very much. Great to be here.